Welcome to Living Free Today, a ministry of Cornerstone Fellowship in San Lorenzo, California. These podcasts are the weekly sermons of Dr. Michael L. Wilson. Please open your Bibles to the Gospel of John, starting in chapter 15. When we talk about the Christmas season, we say that when Christ came, He brought hope, and He brought peace, and He brought joy. And these things are not something that I need to muster up my strength and try with all my might and produce joy. And if I do not produce joy, then somehow God has failed. This is not what the Christmas season is about. We believe that when we have hope that it is a gift, that it comes from God through the Holy Spirit to those who believe when we ask for peace. It isn't something that I figure out from meditation or from putting in noise-canceling headphones or things of this nature. It is a peace that is a gift that comes from God, and I must unwrap it, as it were. I must uncover it. And joy is the same way. Joy comes from God. If we look at John 15, 7 through 11, he says, if you abide in me and my words, abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So what this passage is doing is giving us a recipe, if you will, a number of steps, that if you do them, Christ's joy will become your joy. And your joy, because it comes from Christ, will be full, will be overflowing. So joy isn't something that I figure out how to do. Joy isn't something that I pull out all my stops and do this, that, and the other. It is something that is a gift. It comes from Jesus Christ. When Jesus was moving from the upper room to the uh, Garden of Gethsemane, he stopped And prayed a prayer, and that prayer is found in John chapter 17. All of John chapter 17 is called the high priestly prayer. In 1713, he's praying about you, actually, and he says, But now I am coming to you, these things I have spoken into the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. So once again, even when Jesus is praying to the Father. He is saying the same thing, that Jesus has unlimited joy, and he wants to put it in you so that it will be 
fulfilled or overflowing. And so when we look at this, we say, well, what is joy and the difference between joy and happiness? And this is the big debate in churches. And from when I was even a small child, we taught in Sunday school, the idea of happiness and joy was brought up. And the, the default answer, even though it's impossible to live this way, the default answer is happiness is external. So Christmas is coming, and when Christmas comes, if you get exactly what you wanted, you will open it and you will be happy, and you will smile and you may laugh and you will thank people and you will be happy because something external happened that you liked. If you get socks or coal or something like that, then you'll be sad and externally something happened that you did not like, that did not match your expectations, and therefore you are sad. And so happiness and sadness of this way is depending on external situations. And so we can, throughout a day, be happy, sad, angry, all these different things multiple times during the day, depending on what situation we're in. Joy is based on what Christ did. What Christ did doesn't change ever, ever, ever. So it doesn't change from day to day to day. It is always the same. It is always the same effect on you. And so when you pause, no matter what is going on, and ponder the cross, ponder what Jesus Christ did, just think about it for a moment, you will experience joy. You will experience spiritual happiness because of this great thing that was done to you and for you. Okay? A gift. It is undeserved. It isn't something I earned. It is not like a paycheck. I was rebelling against God in every way, and Christ died for me and you while we were yet sinners. And so I, I think about that. I just ponder that for a little bit. And it should make me smile. It should make me uh, having joy. I should enjoy that feeling. I should be able to ignore for a moment external stimulus and focus on the spiritual truth of Christ and then joy will come. That is the textbook definition of what joy is versus happiness. Now, in John 15, Jesus gives a recipe. And if we, if we want to make a cake for, for Christmas, Christmas cookies, is that's what people make. We make cookies for Christmas. It, it will turn out better, unless you're a professional baker, if you open a book and you see what you need and you see the order to do them and then your cookies might come out edible, okay? If you just say, well, what do I have in the cupboard? And you throw it all in a, in a pot and you, you, know, you whip it up and you throw it in the oven. You might get a blob of something, but it's not a cookie. When the Bible gives us this, then this, then this, then this, then this happens. And there's a few places in the Bible where this is this way. And joy is one of these things in John 15. 
Jesus actually gives us a recipe. He gives us steps. You say, I don't experience joy. I rarely experience joy. Well, that's probably because you're using the wrong recipe. You're using the wrong steps. You're trying to do it in some sort of human fashion as opposed to doing what Christ said. Christ said, if you do these three things, these things I have spoken to you, and there are three things, so that my joy may be in you. You do these three things, and Jesus' joy will be in you. Now, when you become a Christian, and you gain the Holy Spirit, the full joy of Christ is in the Holy Spirit. You have joy, 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 joy down in your heart. You do. There's joy in your heart way down there. But what we try to do, because we're human, is we try to get external stimulus. I will try to do things without, out in the world to make me happy, and that puts layer upon layer upon layer of worldliness on top of the joy. And so you may have a ton of joy, Christ's joy, inside you, but you've covered it up because you want a counterfeit, because you want something that feels better, because you may not have experienced the true joy. So we will look at these three things, and we shall see how they produce joy. In John 15, 1 through, I guess all of 15, Jesus is saying that he is the vine and we are the branches. The, the simple explanation of what that means is that Jesus is the source of everything we have and we are the branches or we get our stuff, our joy from Jesus <clears throat> because he is the vine. We are the branches. We are not the root. We are not the vine. We are not in charge of all this. Jesus is. And if we are attached to him, then we get joy. And in 15, 1 through 11, he says, if you bear fruit, if you abide in his love, and if you follow his example, then the joy will be uncovered in your heart and you will have a true spiritual happiness about what Christ is doing in you and in the cross. And so fruit, it says bear fruit. And there's a lot of discussion by some people who don't read Galatians 5 about what fruit is. But there's only one place in the Bible, one, where God says, this is the fruit. And that is Galatians 5, 22 through 24. That is the only place in the Bible where God uses the word fruit in relationship to Christian behavior. Okay? And it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, if you are a 
active Christian. You will remember, and some might say memorize, parts of Scripture. This list of nine fruit, okay, is only nine, so you don't even need all ten of your fingers. There are nine fruit that you can memorize and you can look at yourself. And the Bible, you know, doesn't say judge yourself, but you can evaluate yourself. And you can say at the end of today, was I loving? Was I joyful? Was I peaceful? Was I patient? Was I kind? Was I good? Was I faithful? Was I gentle? And did I experience self-control? And if you're saying, yes, I, I did some of those things, and if you look at those things, a lot of those things are choices about how you handle a situation. Someone comes to you and does something that you don't like, and you have the option, if you are a Christian, to react negatively, that would be your flesh, or to say, I'm going to be kind. I am going to be kind to this person that was unkind to me. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can be kind. Okay? Now, what does it mean? What does it look like? Is talked about in other parts of the Scripture and will probably be revealed if you pray about it. If you pray, I want to be kind to someone today. God will bring situations where you can, in fact, be kind. If you have none of this in your life, there is no patience, no faithfulness, no gentleness, then your walk with Christ is pretty distant. He's over there, you're way over here. Because the closer you get to Christ... You get Christ closer to Christ through being in your Bible, through praying, through being with other Christians in a church community. And the closer you are to Christ, these things will show. And if you're honest with yourself, you can look at this list and you say, I'm pretty loving, I don't have much joy, I got a lot of peace, I'm pretty patient, I'm kind of kind, I'm okay with goodness, faithful, you know, things like that. And you will have, if you graph this, you will have different levels of fruit of the Spirit. And there may be somebody who's just fantastic with self-control. Just seems to come naturally through the Holy Spirit with them. And another person, they fight with it all the time. However, if you're good with it, but you're trying and you're trying, you still have fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to break through, as it says, and those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Not all of us have fully crucified the flesh with all of its passions and desires. We've crucified a little bit of it, and we're still working. The fruit of the Spirit is working against the flesh. And if you are producing fruit, then that should be evidence to you. You look in the mirror and you say, yes, so many things on this list of nine I can see in my life. They're not perfect, nobody is, but they are growing and they are there. That should cause you to pause 
And praise God that you can do these things through the power of the Holy Spirit shows you're genuinely saved, shows God really loves you to put these things in your life, and that should bring a little joy. This is a confirmation test, if you will, and if you say, well, I've got no gentleness, I've got zero, I've got the rest, and you can work on it, you can pray. God, make me gentle. Give me situations where I can be gentle. And God will do that. This is powered by the Holy Spirit. You pray for these things to happen. And if you respond and you choose correctly, then in fact these things will happen. The second is you abide in Christ's love. How do you abide in Christ's love? Will you abide in Christ's love? By showing him love like he has shown you love. He spends time with you. He has sacrificed for you. And so you, and I've heard many Christians over the years say, I don't have time to read the Bible. Okay, well, if Jesus were to say, I don't have time to answer your prayers, that would be rough. But Jesus does have time because he is God, he is infinite. He can do things that we do not. We have 24 hours in the day. While Jesus was on earth, he had the same 24 hours. While Jesus was on earth, he had the same abilities that we do of time management. He forego, he forewent uh, sleep many nights because he had things to do, because the mission that he was trying to accomplish and that it was his love for us of going to the cross, if we believe that, if we reciprocate by saying, all right, I'm going to spend 20 minutes a day with God. Hey, it's better than zero. So you can read your Bible. There are programs and apps that will read the Bible to you. There are, if you say, I cannot find a Bible, you're not trying. There are Bibles everywhere. As I've said before, they flow like water in America. Currently, everybody is producing a Bible, a Bible app, a Bible website. A, there are shows on cable TV where somebody sits there and does nothing but read the Bible all day. And I assume there's some commercials to pay for it, but there are people who are publicly reading the Bible. KEAR, the radio station, is mostly these days somebody just reading the Bible on TV. They do have talks and things like that, but if you turn it on at 2 in the morning, there's going to be somebody reading the Bible to you. Bibles are everywhere, and we just need to get it into our head. We just need to get it into our heart. And that is how we abide in Christ's love. I begin to put away what I want to do and begin to do what Christ wants to do. And I'm abiding in his love. The third one is to follow Christ's example. And you say, I can't do that. 
Jesus is God, which is true, and you can't do that. But you can do a little bit of it. Back in 1896, Charles Sheldon wrote a book called In His Steps. I think every Christian should read this. It's like $1.99 on Amazon. It is, you know, it's printed so many different ways and everything you can get. A very cheap copy of this. And it's the story of a pastor who got up in front of his congregation and said, I will challenge you for the next year. Don't do anything without asking the question, what would Jesus do? And you might have seen this sort of thing. WWJD. Go to your web search engine and type in WWJD today. You will get millions of products from bracelets, t-shirts, hats, stickers, decals. You will get books. You will get websites. You will get, uh, there's even a movie about what would Jesus do in his steps. And it's very, it's a very simple test. You come to a situation, you're about to go into the grocery store, okay? You've got your list, and you ask yourself, what would Jesus do? How would Jesus shop, for example? Now, to answer the question, what would Jesus do, you have to know what Jesus did. You know what Jesus did by reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, by reading the Gospels, by reading the New Testament, it tells you what Jesus did. And that gives you the information to spiritually speculate on what would Jesus do. And if you want examples from the 1800s, you can read in his steps because that the first couple of pages is the challenge by the pastor. Then the rest of the book is about a homemaker and a newspaper person and other people who are given challenging situations and their thought process on how they figure out what Jesus would do. And if I ask that question, and I honestly ask that question with biblical data, this is what Jesus did, this is what Jesus would do in my modern situation, then you're beginning to follow Christ's example. Are you going to do it perfectly? No. Nobody's perfect except Jesus. But if you try, if you say, it is important that I follow Christ's example, and I try, and one way of trying is asking yourself, what would Jesus do in this situation? And if your answer is, Jesus would probably do this, because in John 8, he did that, and that is similar to this and you begin thinking that way over time, you will begin to at least mentally show that it is important that you follow Jesus' example so that you are every day making choices 
that if Jesus were here right next to you, he would make those choices. And do not fall into the cop-out of saying, but Jesus is God, he's easier for him. I guarantee you, sleepless nights, being dirty and hungry for the first time in eternity, being scourged and nailed to a cross, and having your sin and my sin poured onto him was not easy. In fact, it was the hardest thing in all of eternity that anybody did. And so for us to say, well, I'm not as faithful as I should be. That's a fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to try to be more faithful. If we say, I don't have time to deal with Jesus or anything like that, and you say, well, wait a minute, Jesus took all this time for me, I'm going to reciprocate and I'm going to abide in his love. And lastly, it becomes important to you in your daily walk, in all the stuff you do to keep yourself going, you at least give a thought to what would Jesus do in this situation to follow his example. And then if you do these three things, if you're producing fruit, if you're giving Jesus the time and the love that he has given you, and you really seek to not live for yourself, but live following Christ's example, then the layers of garbage that we have put on top of Christ's joy that is already in us will begin to be removed. And that one day you'll be able to get up and you'll be able to think a little bit about the cross or the resurrection or the miracles and you'll smile because the joy of Christ is showing itself in you. We celebrate for Christmas hope and peace and joy and love that are gifts to us, but we have to unpack them and we have to take the layers of worldliness off them to experience them. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, we just praise you for your joy that you have given to us. I pray that we would live such a way that we will experience it, we will see it, and we can truly have the joy of our salvation. I praise you for all that you have done for us and for dying on the cross, and I ask all this through the blood of Christ. Amen. Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 180 Llewellyn Boulevard, San Lorenzo, California. Our Sunday morning service is at 1045 a.m. Our website is livingfreetoday.org and our phone number is 510-278-2622. May God continue to bless you as you serve your King. God bless.